It's the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder. Hey, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Today is part 37 of our, uh, actually part 38 of our look into the Gospel of John. And today we're going to be looking at John chapter 10, verses 32 through 31 through 42. Today we're looking at a passage where Jesus gets accused of blasphemy. It's interesting the reply that he uses talking back. So, anyway, without further ado, we're going to go ahead and head over to the talk. Be sure to stay up with all events North Shore Vineyard at northshorevineyard.org, where we also have a new place for online giving. If you want to check that out and donate to support the cause. Let's head over downtown Covington, North Shore Vineyard Church. Visiting for your first time here, we're on part 38 of our series on the Gospel of John. And I got to tell you, if we weren't committed to going through the Gospel of John kind of verse by verse, I'd probably skip this one because sometimes you hit things in the New Testament that are just the kind of weird. You know, the, the, I mean, it, it's Jesus saying this stuff here, but I, I, I kind of find what he's saying a little hard to get around myself. So, um, I would normally just probably say, let's just skip this and go on to the next chapter, but we've kind of committed to a process, to, so today we're going to jump into it. So who's ready? <laughs> so if you've got your Bible, I'm going to be reading from John 10, 31 through 42. Uh, we'll be finishing up chapter 10 today. And just a little context here. In the, the previous weeks, we've talked about Jesus, where he talks about being the good shepherd who watches over the sheep. And, and we kind of mentioned last week how Jesus, using this imagery of the shepherd, was not just talking about, you know, he's a guy that watches sheep. He was actually uh, referring to, it was a messianic kind of title, that he was the Messiah. And so last week, we talked about how everybody was like, well, if you're the Messiah, tell us. And he said, uh, I've already told you. And you didn't believe me. If you don't believe me, look at my works. And so we just talked about how Jesus is a, a different kind of Messiah than people were expecting. And now we kind of pick up the story. So it says in verse 31, so the Judeans once more picked up stones to stone him. So his message is going over real well with these people he's talking to. They, they want to kill him again. It says they, they picked up stones again, once more to stone him. Verse 32, I've shown you many fine deeds from the Father, Jesus replied to him. So which one of these deeds are you stoning me for? We're not stoning you for good deeds, replied the Judeans, but because of blasphemy. Here you are, a mere man, and you're making yourself into a god. It's written in your law, isn't it, replied Jesus to them. I said, you are gods. Well, if the law calls people gods, people to whom God's word came and you can't set the Bible aside. How can you accuse someone of blasphemy when the Father has placed him apart and sent him into the world? And he says, I am the Son of God. If I'm not doing the works of my fathers, don't believe my father, don't believe me. But if I am doing them, well, even if you don't believe me, believe the works. Then you will know and grasp that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. So again, they tried to arrest him, but Jesus managed to get away from them. He went off once more across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at the beginning, and he stayed there. Several people came to him 
John never did any signs, they said, but everything that John said about this man was true, and many believed him there. I have to say, this little passage about you are gods, I mean, it's kind of strange. Like Jesus, like all, all the ways you could say something, what is this? I, I'm looking at this passage, and I'm saying, it's hard for me to not get a little offended at this. You know, don't we worship one God? And then Jesus is telling him, your own law says that you're all God. So what the heck does that mean? Are we all just gods? I don't think so, and my family doesn't think so. <laughs> so in studying for this passage today, I came across something by a New, Tele- New Testament scholar, uh, Tom Wright. And I think that, that out of everything I've read, he gives us probably the best analogy. And what it is, it's, it's really kind of a parable. So I'm just going to steal it from him, okay? But I guess it's not stealing as long as I cite who it's from, right? If you're going to steal from someone, pick someone good to steal from. So uh, I want to tell a bit of a parable this morning that will help us. They found the music, a single manuscript copy among the piles of unsorted paper for the, the, the composer had left at the time of his death. It was clearly a piece for solo violin, but it looked extraordinary, difficult, daring, probably unplayable. Above it was scrawled in his shaky hand to the City Guild of Violinists. The City Guild was honored but embarrassed. None of them could play the piece. Copies were made, and each member took one home to try it out. And when they met later, to try to, they tried to pass it off with excuses. Surely the old man couldn't have meant to play these notes simultaneously. So they were in one hands, you know, in, in one in one sense, in awe of this piece of music from this master composer. But on the other side, they were kind of embarrassed, kind of ashamed. They're like, this thing is amazing, but we'll never be able to play it because it's so beyond us. And so this piece of music kind of got relevated to the status of myth or legend. It was kind of preserved as, as we do the, the Constitution in glass encased in a museum. People revered it, but they certainly dared not try to play it because surely the master composer couldn't have meant that. And then one day, one of these scraggly street musician types like you see down on Frenchman Street walks into town carrying a tattered violin case. And he opens up this violin case and he takes out a violin and he begins playing in the city square. And sure enough, the people who had their windows open around the square, they they heard the music and it didn't sound like anything they'd ever heard before. But they knew it. This is that song. It was beautiful. And, 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 And moment by moment, people began to come from the surrounding area and gather in the square to hear the song. And when he was done, applause went up from the crowd that was gathered. Applause and also some looks of disgust. Who is this outsider and why is he playing our music so the, music, the violinist guild from the, the city, they came up to this, this musician and they said, you have no business playing this music. This was music that the master composer left us. He dedicated it to, to us. Who were you, some street musician, coming into our town and playing this piece of music? And the man said, look, this master composer, he's my father. And I didn't learn the music by reading it. I learned it from my father. He taught me the song. Well, these guys would have nothing of it. 
So this scraggly musician put his violin back in his case. He closed it, and he left the city. The music of that song was never heard again in that town anymore. I think this is a great analogy for what we see going on here, certainly for me as a musician, because I get it. <laughs> Jesus quotes Psalm 82 when they, when they get so offended thinking Jesus is blasphemous because the, the Jewish people were monotheistic. They only believed in one God, and Jesus is confusing, him, be, confusing them because he's saying, I am the Father in one. I am God just like the Father is God. I am the Son of God. And so they're saying blasphemy. And Jesus actually, as he does on many occasions, he takes their own scriptures and says, Well, your Bible, Psalm 82, verse 6 says, You are gods. You are all sons of the Most High. And Jesus said, If your own Bible says that you are gods, then why is it such a hard problem saying that I'm the Son of God? Now, this is a very problematic answer to me today because it just kind of gets it like, well, what is he saying? Well, here's, here's what's going on here. Many Jewish scholars of that day, when they actually looked at this, this uh, psalm, they didn't think that, that human beings were gods in the same way that God was God, but they, they saw that something special had happened with the children of Israel. When God gave them the law up on Mount Sinai, it, it elevated the, the children of Israel, the Jewish people, to a status that no other nation had on planet Earth. They actually became, in a sense, superhuman by their connection with the divine. They weren't gods in the sense that God's God, but they were certainly elevated over the status of the rest of humanity. But, like the violinist in this violinist guild, they could never live up to the music. It's interesting to note when the children of Israel get the law, when Moses is up on the mountain, if you've seen the movie, right? He's getting the Ten Commandments, and, and you know there's thunder and lightning and smoke, and he's up there for a long time, so long that they kind of lose hope. And they're like, well, we got to worship something. And, and Aaron says, well, take all your rings, and we'll melt them. And they make this calf. And, and Aaron says, look, who brought you out of Egypt? This golden calf. And they start worshiping him. And so Jesus, when he gets down, I mean, Moses, when he gets down from the mountain, he, he, he's, he's very upset. Here he's been handed the, the greatest thing ever, the law, and yet already they're breaking it. Already they're not acting like they're in special relationship with God. They're actually discarding that relationship with God. See, it, it, it's almost, if you think back to this little uh, story that I started with, these musicians in that town, after a while of trying to play the music, they kind of assume that, ah, the master composer, he didn't really mean this stuff to be played. It's too difficult. And in the same way, the law, the Old Testament law, it creates this kind of tension within us that if you try to follow the law, you, you just end up getting frustrated. You ever try really hard to be good? I've spent a lot of years of my life trying really hard to be good, trying to follow the rules. And, and you know, the Pharisees, they were the, they were the experts at that. They, they had the hundreds of laws of the Old Testament, and they came up with hundreds of new laws. So they were all about the law. But one thing that the Pharisees missed about the comp composition of the master composer was the intent of it. 
See, God, from the very beginning when he talks to Abraham and makes the Abrahamic covenant, he says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you so that you'll be a blessing, so that all the nations will be blessed through what I'm going to do with you. That's how God started the whole rescue plan. And the Pharisees forgot about that all the other nations bit. What they had done with the law was they made a club. Instead of existing as a people, a nation of priests that would lead other, other nations into relationship with God, they created a wall where no one else could get in unless you were in the Pharisees' club. But even one of the greatest Pharisees who would later meet Jesus, the Apostle Paul, you know what he talked about the law? You know what Paul said? He says, the law was a tutor to bring me to Christ. In a sense, trying to play the melody of this composition on a violin and failing at it over and over. It's almost as if that was part of God's plan to create this frustration in us that would lead us to the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what Jesus is getting at in these passages. Because Jesus brings us a music, so to speak, that is greater than any sound we've ever heard. And it rings true with, with what the Father has done, with the intent, what He's planned from the beginning. It's almost as if Jesus was the only one who was meant to ever play that thing in its entirety. And I believe that's exactly what Scripture testifies. See, there's this frustration. You know, it's not that God doesn't want us to do good, okay? I'm not saying that. You know, oh, praise God. Pastor told me I don't have to do good anymore. <laughs> Grace of God. No, the, the, the point is not that we stop doing good, but we realize that, that it's only through the goodness of God that we can do anything good. As the Apostle John, who would later write another book called First John, I don't know if he called it that, he says, we love because we first have been loved by Jesus. If you're trying to love apart from receiving the love of Jesus, you, you don't really have a true love. We love because we're first loved by Him. We do good as His goodness takes over our heart. The law is something that, that reveals, as Paul says, the law was perfect, but it couldn't change me on the inside. It just showed me how bad I was. <laughs> I I spent many years as a Christian trying to follow the law, and it's just, it's the more you try to follow it, the more, it's, it's, it's like trying to play a video game with my son. I just keep getting whooped over and over again. After a while, it's no fun. <laughs> and I found myself at many points like the Pharisees going, surely, this, the, surely no one can play this thing. Well, no one except for Jesus. And when his love begins taking over our heart, it changes us. So this morning, I know it's a very short message. I know some of you are going, amen, brother. <laughs> I, I, was, I, was, I was thinking, looking at this passage that, you know, it's interesting, but where do we go with this, Jesus? You know what I mean? Like, like it, it, it kind of lacks any of those, you know, kind of practical application purposes. And so I think what we're going to do this morning is I think the one practical application that we could do is just to worship Jesus. So we're going to worship a little bit more this morning together. We're going to come before the Lord, and, and we're just going to look at Him because it's only in Him that we find true life. So those of you who got in late on worship this morning,
This is your chance to, to worship again. I want to invite the band up, and we're going to uh, sing, sing a few more songs together. <laughs>